Okay, we continue with the Sefer Megillus Esther with the commentary of the Mechir Yayin of the Ramah. We're in class number 11. We are now in Perak Zion, Pasuk We left off with the king getting up angrily from the party of wine, and Haman is trying to save himself from Esther because he sees he's in big trouble. And we... Uh, understand now that the king regrets ever listening to Haman. He regrets all his past sins. He leaves the wine meal. He even wants to stay away from all the taivas like wine. He goes to the Ginas ha, ha Beson, which is the elevated Sechel. And Haman now knows he has no way of overcoming the king. He has to try the Homer and it's going to be his tactic. Pasuk We'll see exactly what he's going to want to do. So it says, The king returned from the orchard garden into the house of the wine feast. And Haman was falling on the couch, which Esther was sitting on. The king said, Will you even force the queen with me in the house? And the word came from the king's mouth, and they covered Haman's face. So what is the allegory that the Ramah learns from here? That now that the king comes back, now the seichel is getting stronger. This original Seichel that's learning now from the Seichel of Mordechai gets stronger and stronger, that it's returning from the orchard, which is also a nickname for Chachma, which is wisdom, as it says, four men went into the orchard. And that's also a nickname for Torah, as we have many references to that. Okay? Uh, and th- that's the Beis Hamishta. Uh, which is Torah. So he's going from Chachma to Torah, as the <coughs> it says in Shira Shirim, Heviani King should bring me into his rooms, into the wine room, which means the wine of Torah. So in other words, what's happening is the Seichel is getting stronger and it's going from Chachma to Torah. And when it says the Haman fell on the bed that Esther was on, it tells us the third and final tactic of the Yetzirah to get Esther and the king to sin. And that's when Haman saw that he could no longer get them to sin. So therefore, he wants the Seichel to, to uh, apply itself more and more and that the Tzura should be following it completely. Okay. In other words, once you're seeing it's good to uh, follow the seichel, so you should go overdo it, okay? He can't get them to sin. So go overdo going after the seichel too much. And that means get rid of all the desires of physicality from now on to leave an aesthetic life and always go after the, the seichel. But if that will happen, we know, if we don't live the physical life, that's not what we were meant for. We're meant to elevate the physical life, and that will cause ultimate destruction for us. This is the third idea. Okay, so Esther, which means the Tzura, follow the king completely. Give up all physical. It's my last chance because he can't go after the Seichel anymore. 
And the Tzura is going to listen to the Seichel. So, so listen to the whole thing. And to that, it says that Haman fell on the bed that Esther was on. What's that symbolic of? In other words, like when you fall, you're crouching under your load. That's what it says when you see a donkey that's falling on the road. So he's saying he wants Esther to totally fall and be submissive to the Seichel and to not even do what's necessary for the physical well-being since you've agreed to go afterwards. And therefore, it considers this as a mita, as a bed, as the Homer will, will, will recline down and uh, be submitted before the Seichel. And that's what Haman wanted to do. But as soon as the Seichel sees this terrible idea, because the Seichel is getting smarter now, and he sees that's an evil thing. So he says, you want to conquer the queen in my palace too. You want to conquer her to advise her that she should always follow everything I'm saying as the Seichel to the point where there be no indulgence in physicality as well. That's not a good thing as well. And therefore the face of Haman was covered because now he's strike three. He tried three times. The first time he had initial success in the days of youth to get the people to run after or as they're getting just getting just getting past the days of youth and doing chuva but the greater you are the greater is the challenge and got people to think well maybe there is an ashkacha pritas so we can just do what we want that was the first one and that worked for a while but finally the jews did chuva and then the second one he never really got a chance to implement of thinking too much into torah and getting way beyond to understand things that are beyond what one can understand, but that never got going. And this third one was the final one that failed. Now, Pasuk Tess, and Charvona comes along, one of the chamberlains for the king, and also behold the gallows that Haman Amun made for Mordecai, who spoke well for the king, standing in Haman's house 50 cubits high. And the king said, hang him on it. So who is Charvona? We mentioned earlier that was one of the advisors. And that, as we said, is the power of judgment, as we explained earlier in the Megillah, who can reveal the secret nature of Haman right away. Um, and therefore, uh, he told him what his strategy was. He tried that second strategy to hang him from 50 cubits, to get him to be involved in aspects of Torah that are beyond what one can understand. So he told the king, and therefore, the king now says, okay, so let's hang him on that same tree. And that's going to be the tree of Torah. And that's how we get rid of the Yetzirah once and for all. We get, hang him on the tree of Torah. And that is the end of Haman. And therefore, Pasuk did ends the parak, And they hanged Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordechai. And the king's anger abated. And with this, says the Ramah, we've en ended the second stage of life, the Yameha Amida, the days of standing, the days of our productivity, of mature productivity, where we have to deal with all the tricks of the Yetzirah. And starting the next parak, we're going to be reaching what's called the Yameha Zikna, the days of old age, which is the third part of the Megillah. So it comes out to clarify. The first chapter is the days of youth. Second chapter through the seventh is the days of Amida, the days where a person stands on his own and becomes who he's supposed to be. And starting from the eighth chapter is the days of old age. 
And it's very interesting, the days of old age, as the Chazal say, these are days that we don't want. In other words, there's no more such Yetzirah anymore. You get too old because we already hung Haman. And now the physical nature of being hot-blooded, even though we said it it ended, uh, uh, the hot-bloodedness of youth ended, but that was a hot-blooded youth of reckless abandon. Then there's a different type of hot blood in the second stage of our life, of accomplishment. And it's very interesting. We only find two times in the Megillah where it says the king's anger abated. That was right in the beginning, at the end of the first chapter, at the beginning of the second chapter, after the hanging of Vashti. And now after the hanging of Haman, the end of the seventh chapter. So it's like bookends. Okay? So... When the uh, when the days of Naros, when the days of the youth cooled off, and now the days that's the days of Aliyah, and now from the days of Amida, so at the end of Naros, the young time, the mind gets settled, and at the end of the second period of Amida, the mind even gets much more settled, and therefore we're now going to enter a new stage. And this was, now you figure, well, what's left to talk about? We got rid of the Yetzirah. What left is there to talk about? Uh, almost like, okay, so Haman is, is hung. So what left is hung? Well, wait. Even though Haman's hung, but there's still the, um, the law that the king made that the enemies can strike the Jews. So we have to see how does this fit in to the third and final stage of life as we begin the eighth chapter. Perakas Bayomahu on this day, Nosan Hamelach Achashverosh Lesser Malkas Beisamon. Achashverosh, the king, gives Esther, the queen, the house of Amon, who was the Tzorer HaYehudim, the one who was the adversary of the Jews. Mordechai Balif Neamelach, and now Mordechai came before the king, Kigida Esther Mahalokas. Esther now told her who he was to her, his uncle, whatever. So, the Ramah explains, remember, whenever it says Yom, Bayomahu, Yom refers to Zman, a certain time. So we mean to say, at this time, okay, at this time now, we're reaching the third stage of development of the person, the king Achashverosh gives what? Base Haman, the house of Haman. And you know, the Talmud says, a wife of a person is considered his house. That's a euphemist, that's a, a modest way of describing this. And therefore, so who is the base Haman? It's Zeresh. And who is Zeresh? We said, that's the snake. That's the power of imagination. So now what Haman, what Achashverosh did, he gave to Esther the house of Haman, meaning the power of Haman, the power of his wife Ashti, who represented being the snake, which is the power of imagination. And he gave it over to serve Esther and not to serve Ashti. Okay? And therefore, to use that power of imagination only to follow service of Hashem. Imagine what Hashem would want me to do. As a good as a good side of power of imagination. Remember we said many times, Father asked you for a glass of water. Your imagination says, but he really would like a, 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 a nicer cup, cup of coffee. So I'm using my imagination. What would my father really want? So that's using it in the proper service. 
And Mordechai now comes before the king, mean to say, because the king now follows Mordechai's advice and follows all advice that he is saying because Esther now said what she is to him because she herself follows him. So now Achashverosh understands that Mordechai is the one to follow because Esther is connected to him and follows as Mordechai is the tzura that shapes the homer of Esther. And Achashverosh understands that his seichel that is limited from birth should also develop by following Mordechai as well. So what does the king do? Verse 2, And the king took off his ring, which he had removed from Haman, and gave it to Mordechai, and Esther placed Mordechai in charge of the house of Haman. Which means to say that from now on, Mordechai will rule the, the, the human being without the prosecution of Haman, who's been hung. And Esther, which is the Tzura, Homer, will agree to everything of Mordechai, and she won't be lusting for physical things. She'll just take what she needs. And that's what it means that Esther put him over the house of Haman. And really what this is telling us, that when you get to this stage of life, the Seichel becomes the ruler over all. That's if you're using it properly. Remember, only if you used it when you had the difficult battles in the days of the middle part of our lives and where you have to make the right choices. Okay, now there is still one more problem. So, okay, so now you're an older person. The Yetzirah has been, you really don't have the Yetzirah for these things. So what's left for your life to do? Think about it. We could say, well, do more mitzvahs. Yeah, that's true. But in other words, why does Hashem give you old age? If you've already, now if you haven't fixed up your life, well then old age is a good time to do it. But we're assuming the natural flow of a person is in their youth, they're really crazy. Okay, they're wild. As you get more mature, you get better, but then the Yetzirah gets stronger and he can still take you down. And then we have the great struggle that we've been discussing and hopefully by the end, it is the Seichel of Mordechai that overcomes that together with Esther who becomes compliant and then is able to get Achishverosh with that inborn Seichel to be more developed and then get rid of Haman, get rid of imagination, get rid of arousal and do it through the study of Torah. So if you've accomplished this, so why doesn't God, as they say, decommission us and let us die? Nothing bad. We've done we've done tshuva. We we live a good life. So what's the purpose of continuous life? You answer your question. It's what you want to answer it? Sure. There, there, there's earlier earlier generations, younger people. You help them out. You're studying Torah. Help so you want to say help the younger generation? Okay, that's a very uh, good response. Help the younger generation, which I'm not. It's for sure true. But there's still one more thing. Forget about the younger, well, forget about the younger generation. Let's, for just a minute, suggest, what if that person doesn't have any children? I'm just throwing that out. If you have children, yeah, I hear that answer. But what if you don't have children? But you've already accomplished what there is to accomplish. So study more, review more, more. So let's see what he adds over here. Very powerful point. Pasigimel. And Esther resumed speaking before the king and she fell before his feet and she wept and beseeched him to avert 
the harm of Haman, the Agagite, and his device that he had plotted against the Jews. Remember, we still have to deal with that decree. So where does that fit into the story? You see, we got to put that in. So somehow, when we get to the third stage of life, the decree is still there. How is the decree still there? You've done tshuva. Where's the decree coming in? So he says a beautiful shot. He says, it's not enough when a person gets older that he doesn't sin. Well, because he doesn't have a Yetzirah that overcame him when he was younger. And the rabbis of the Talmud give us uh, an aphorism. When there's nothing to steal, the thief stops stealing. It's not because the thief's so great, he doesn't steal. Mean to say, the urges, the libido, the drives that I had when I was younger, when you're older, you don't have them anymore. So then what's left to do? Like, okay, I did tshuva, fine. You struggle in your life. Now you're an older person. You did chew, everything's fine. So what is there left to do? The answer is you have to repair the damage of your youth. Which means to say, similarly to the Simchas Pesach Shoeva at the festival of the water drawing, they said that the from from birth people sang and the Balchuvas sang. And people all sang. And some say at the Simchas Shoeva, that, you know, let my old age be an atonement for my youth. So how's this going to happen? So now let's see. So therefore, we have to deal with some sins still have to be dealt with. Why? We will see in a minute. And therefore, Esther requests from the king to, to do what? To avert the harm of Haman. Why? Because what did Haman do? He got us. Now remember, Haman is us. Remember, it's us. He convinced us what? To sin and cause others to sin. As we said, it wasn't enough for Mordechai just to cast his hand against Mordechai. He wants to get the whole Jewish people. He takes the Jew and is able to convince him and give him certain Yetzirahs and he does Averis to not believe that this Ashkachah brought these. And people follow him. And therefore, Esther wants to speak before the king, which is now Hashem. Okay, because only says Vatosa va Esther de Taberlifne Hamelech doesn't say Ashverosh. And she falls on her feet, so to speak, where we know, for example, Hashem, this world is a footstool for Akadish Baruch. Hu. And therefore, when she falls on God's feet, so to speak, she is beseeching Hashem. And it's going to, just like we know, first you praise Hashem and then you pray to him when you're praying. So Esther's reflecting um, on the fact that Hashem is great and trying to figure he's the cause of all causes. And therefore, then it says, and she cries because we know that even if many gates are closed, the gate of tears are always open. And she's supplicating before the king to ask Mechila for the evil of the youth that was done through the advice of Haman. In other words, you're kind of saying, you know what, I, I don't exactly know how I can do complete tshuva. Because a lot of things I did in my youth, now that I'm not doing it anymore, maybe it's because I've matured, but, maybe, but I can't do that anymore anyway. Remember, the whole law of tshuva is, how do you know you've done complete tshuva if you're in the same place 
same situation, same strength, and you don't do it. But I'm not at the same strength anymore. So now what do, what do I do? How do I finish off the tshuva of which I've done? Now, I may have changed my behavior. That's true. But I've done a lot of bad things. Certain bad things you do you, just by stopping them. But where's the repair? There's got to be a repair. Certainly, you got to stop your avarus. That's true. But as as we said, when you get other people to sin, there's aspects of Chil Hashem also. Aspects of Chil Hashem, we know, it's not enough just to do tshuva. It's not just enough, Yom Kippur, who requires death of the person. Or maybe there's something else. So therefore, uh, it's, it's not enough that you don't sin in your old age because you don't have the Yitzhahara. But the old person has to really figure a way of repairing the mistakes of his youth. And how are we going to repair the mistakes of the youth? So she's crying. So then the king extended the golden scepter to Esther, and Esther arose and spoke before the king. Okay? So we already explained the last time when the king extended the scepter, and that, we say, is the siyata deshmai, where Hashem gives assistance. In other words, you're trying to do tshuva. You're praying but how can I do tshuva on this? So Hashem extends the golden scepter and says, let's talk about it. Let's, let's figure out how you can do tshuva. Even in your old age, it's a great time to do tshuva. And now in Pasuk Hay, we begin to see the nature. Now he gets onto a little bit of a side point over here. And it says, and she said, if it pleases the king and I have found favor before him and the matter is proper before the king and I'm good in his sight. A lot of, uh, clauses going over and over. Let it be written to rescind the letters, the device of Haman, the son of Hamdasa, the Agagite, which he wrote to destroy the Jews uh, who are in the lands. So he begins to say, you know, there's usually, she's giving four reasons why Hashem should, you know, accept what she wants. And the commentary doesn't go into great detail here, so we're going to have to speculate a little bit. But there's something called the reason of action, meaning to say, she says, if it's if it, if if the king sees it, if tov, if it's good for the king, meaning that he will act on this, that he'll be an active participant and help me. So that's one thing you have to have. If I find favor in his eyes, that in other words, because there is favor being found. That means Hashem feels there's someone to work with. And if it's kosher, and if this thing is fit for Hashem, meaning if you see there's going to be an ultimate goal to this that can be reached. And finally, and if I'm good in his eyes, that's in terms of the homer, the um, uh, uh, the uh, the essence, the, what do you call it, the, the matter, which is pliable. So if we got all these four aspects in line, maybe Hashem, you could help me out and, and, and repair things. And now he um, moves into this idea where you see she's first crying, then he gives the scepter, and then she suggests an idea that we're going to say, let it be written to rescind the letters, etc., etc. So the author brings a big machlokas, the way he has the writing of it, the way he understands it based on the balakeda. Gemara in uh, Yoma discusses a debate 
where it says, one rabbi says, tshuva is great because it brings the redemption. Tshuva is great, it brings the redemption. It brings the geula. Other rabbi says, geula is great because it brings tshuva. So which one is it? Is it tshuva is great, it brings redemption? Is redemption great because it brings tshuva? That's the way their texts say this. So the Balakeda of Yitzhak Aramah, the Spanish philosopher, says they're not arguing, but they're talking about a specific case. Let's say physically, a person's very weak and he doesn't want to eat anymore. He's coming, he's sick as he doesn't want to eat. So you leave him the way it is, he's going to stop eating. You want to give him food, he can't eat the food. He doesn't want to eat the food. So what do you do? You can't help the guy. The guy doesn't want to eat. He's starving to death. So what are you going to do? Give him food? He doesn't want the food. He's not hungry for it. So what do you do? Chick is get him to start exercising a little bit. Get to exercise a little bit. He's going to have a little bit of, uh, uh, what do you call it? Appetite. As a little bit of appetite, give him a little bit of food to eat. And then he's got, uh, see, if you don't have food, you don't have kayak to, to exercise. So start, you know, just get him up and to walk around in the house. Oh, he's got a little bit of an appetite. Give him a little bit of food. That's going to happen. They do a little bit more. They give them a little bit more food. And it's, it's a virtuous circle that gets to the point where now he has an appetite because he's moving and he eats more and it's a good positive cycle. So the same thing we're talking about tshuva. And this interesting thing, they, they bring psukim, they talk of on goel, when the redeemer comes. So he says there's two types of tshuva. The first tshuva is when we're in our enemy's lands. For the Jewish people, we live in exile. It's going to be very hard to do tshuva because all the goyim live a different lifestyle. Or an individual, the same thing. When you are still living, so to speak, in an environment that's negative for you. So how are you going to do complete tshuva? So we're going to say, well, do a little bit of tshuva. And then the tshuva will bring the redemption. And then you'll get out of that area. You'll be in Eretz Yisrael, or you'll be in a better place. And then after, once you're, rede you're redeemed, you get a little more strength, and now you can do complete tshuva. It's a beautiful idea. You're in a certain place in life where you're not going to be able to do tshuva in this place. So what do we got to do? Okay, but do all, you can't do complete tshuva. So do a little bit of tshuva. Do a little bit of tshuva, then Hashem will redeem you and get you into a different space. When you're a bit different space, mindset, whatever, then you can do real tshuva. And they were the same thing here with Esther. In the beginning, she supplicates before the king. But now it says, and she, as it says, and then she added. Vatosef. She adds to speak. So what do you mean? She adds to speak. So the idea is that when she starts to speak, she falls on the feet. But then when he gives the royal scepter over her, gives her a little strength, picks her up, now she can speak stronger. And now she can really plead what she wants. And now she can do real tshuva. So you start with a little bit of tshuva. That's the point. You're getting older. I want to do tshuva, but I don't know how to do tshuva. It's going to be hard to do tshuva. So you cry to Hashem. And that's a little bit of tshuva. Hashem picks you up and puts you in a place where now you could do things you could not think. And she now is going to say, and what's the issue on her mind? She says in Pasuk Vav, 
For how can I see the evil that will befall my people and how can I see the destruction of my people from my birthplace? In other words, now she's older. I'm okay. But, at, but all Jews are responsible for another. And therefore, I have to make a Kiddush Hashem. I have to make up for my youth. And there's others who may have learned not so good from me. Yes, I, I turned out okay. But there are certain things I did in the past that haven't been fixed. People have learned negative things from me. And how am I going to fix that? And therefore, how can I rest in the palace, live out the rest of my life with no Yetzirah, when I know I've left in the wake of my life some things that never got repaired? So in Pasuk Zion, and the king Achashver said to Queen Esther and to Mordechai the Jew, Behold, the house of Haman I have given to Esther, and they have hanged him on the gallows because they laid a hand on the Jews. So King Achashverosh now agrees to the words of Esther and to the words of Mordechai. And he said, I've already given you the house of Haman. In other words, I've given you the powers of imagination are in your control now. So I've given you control. And now he offers them the following solution. And the way we can introduce this next idea is that the next point of the story is that the old person cannot nullify his sins. What you did, you did. Except only how? Through sanctifying God's name in the place where you desecrated it. And especially through Torah study. And that is what he is going to tell us in the next uh, long piece over here. Where he says... He says, and you write about the Jews as you see fit in the name of the king and seal it with the king's ring for a writ that is written in the name of the king and seal of the king's ring cannot be rescinded. So what does that mean? First of all, what's writing? Remember we said before, we said writing, we said is the quill of the heart that expresses your deepest feelings. So what he's saying is that your letter or your your, your plan should be coming from the instructions of the Seichel and the Chomer that is following it. Okay, in other words, it should be a, a very um, strong, uh, honest, an honest response of what to do. Okay, and also we see where it's talking about um, for those two of them, and we already have explained that Esther now needs to listen to Mordechai. And who's the one that needs to more to listen to Mordechai? Achishverosh or Esther? Gotta remember, Esther is the Chomer. And Esther's the one that's got all the senses. And she's the one who has to listen more. Because Achishverosh says, well, my intellect's already been elevated, so I'm okay. But your senses are always there, so he's, so he's therefore saying that you guys write. It's between you two people as we shall see. But now we're going to leave you with a very interesting question. You know what he's going to say? He's going to say, write what you want. Because he says, what do you mean write what you want? They already said, whatever the king writes can't be brought back. The king already wrote and said that you're going to, the Jews are all going to get killed. So and whatever the king writes cannot be taken back. So it can't be taken back. What is it possible for them to do? On the deeper level, what this is getting to us is 
once you've done Averos, it's happened. It's like that's the letter you sent out. How can you undo that? And that we'll see tomorrow as we'll go again, Pasuk to discuss this idea of how in our old age can we undo, although we can't, once it's gone out from the king, it cannot go back. So how can we fix it up? We will see tomorrow.